There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Mitchin Podcast. Hey, what's up? And welcome to a very special episode of The Mission. We are on location at the Lansdowne Hotel in Sydney. Uh, and we've got a, a, a bonus bunch of people. A really my, normal bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my name is Andrew Levins. Uh, my co-host, as always, Mitch Orr is here. What up? Uh, and we have uh, a couple guests, the uh, masterminds behind the new refurb of the Lansdowne Hotel. Uh, you may know them from Mary's and the Unicorn. Uh, here they are today with us. We've got Kenny Graham and Jake Smythe. Hello. Thank you for having us. This is Jake's 10th time on the podcast and, and, and Kenny's first. <laughs> it's only Jake's second time invited though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, returning uh, from the Sydney Morning Herald's Good Food Guide, we have uh, Callum Boys. G'day, mate. Callum's got a special treat that we're going to be uh, drinking mm. in just a moment. But first, I want to give a little background on uh, how cool this venue already is after only being open like a week. Uh, two Sundays ago, we were all at the Dolphin for our friend Louis Tikaram. Uh, he did a takeover of the Dolphin, did a bunch of his EP and LP food from LA at the Dolphin. And uh, I was amazed at how many uh, people from the Sydney food, basically how many Mitchin guests were in that room. I, I think that, you, you, that it would be easier to count them. the Mitchin guests that weren't at the Dolphin mm. at that very moment in time than the ones who were. Um, it was just like an incredible kind of you know, array of, of Sydney food legends. Um, and Tasmanian food legends, or even Roger and Sue were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, the worst thing about the Dolphin, if you're there on a Sunday, which is like kind of the vibiest day most of the time, is 10 o'clock, those fucking lights get on, get the fuck out. Yeah. And um, the uh, chant began, let's all go to the Lansdowne, because it was like the soft opening uh, weekend where you invited all friends to the Lansdowne. And uh, so I, I got in, a, in an Uber with uh, previous guests, Darren Robertson, Shaz, and Mags all, ca- all got in the car with us. Mags from the past. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we, we made it to the Lansdowne, and there were even fucking more <laughs> Mitchin guests <laughs> from the missing. past. It was, it was insane how many, uh, just like, you know, people from my lifetime had crammed into this <laughs> venue that means a lot to me, I guess. So we, we revealed when Jake was last on the podcast that the, 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 the uh, first party I ever put on was on a Sunday afternoon at the Lansdowne, about four months in a row. Um, it was called the Awesome Lounge. <laughs> it's coming back. It's coming I, think back. I think you'll find that this has also been recalled, renamed the, the Awesome Lounge. We're sitting upon right yeah. now. You can just have this area for your party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll rope it off like a motherfucker. But, you know, I mean, like, you know, if, uh, for people that aren't aware of this venue, it's, it's the one that Nirvana played at in the 90s when they, when they um, toured Australia. Um, well, they got booked here. They never played here because they got too big. Oh fuck! That's they played, right. They yeah. got booked. Yeah, they played down the, the road at the Phoenician. Phoenician yeah, because but never they were meant to play here, yeah. so we'll take it. <laughs> how, that's how great a band is when they may they may or may not have played somewhere. It makes the venue. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it goes down in folklore. It's like they never even played there, but they never played there. <laughs> <laughs> but they were supposed to. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it was absolutely a you know one of the most important live music venues in Australia throughout the 90s. And then in, in the 2000s, it became, you know, a place to come and see free shows, free music. Um, but maybe that led to the music that at the Lansdowne not being taken as seriously as it should have been um, because people would, it was kind of like this thing in the background. And so how, how long ago did the, did the Lansdowne close? Like closed in 2015, uh, the, I think around the start of it. It's not been closed for too long. It's... <clears throat> 
the hardest thing about this a venue like this is that when it closed, there was a, 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 a public outcry. There was an outpouring of public kind of um, um, emotion uh, about it. But the reality is no one was really coming here. <laughs> Uh, it's not like they closed the doors on Sydney's most popular venue at the time in 2015. Yeah. It just it, it had come to symbolise, I think, the last um, of the ones that were standing um, in their in their old kind of um, selves. You know, the Annandale closed, reopened now, but you know, completely different, owned by Oscar's Hotel. Yeah. You know, the Hopeton's closed, and it doesn't look like it's reopening its doors. No matter how many. Incredible uh, people try and buy it or reopen yeah. it. It just ain't going to happen. It's not. Yeah. I don't think so. Like, uh, it's it's going to take a lot, a lot for that venue to come open. I bought their fridge. Did you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just stand up front. There, there was a Mexican restaurant upstairs when the Hopeton closed, and they, and they had to like pull, like pretty much gut everything in like half a day because. So you're the one that's been profiting out of this. <laughs> <laughs> you're behind all of these action the groups, are you? Like, yeah. <laughs> Belly Bell, who took, took over the restaurant space when, when the dip left. They've got that, that the Hopeton fridge. <laughs> so if you want to like a little piece of rock history, <laughs> go order with some the of the mayonnaise from Belly Bell. It's in my shed and it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, look like a, a, yeah, and they're like a Sandringham was like had been redone, um, and you know it was when this closed. It was yeah, it was a big moment in Sydney's kind of like oh fuck, we just lost the last of them, didn't we? Um, it was really the vibe, and it sat here being eyeballed as a music academy, and you know we've been lucky enough to have friends who've got pockets deep enough um, to to buy it, and um, and and also. Fucking, they've got fucking kahunas enough to back us into who've never run a live music venue before, into kind of uh, the reimagining like Lansdowne 3.0 maybe you know like and I think we might might just pull it off. There's a bit of a per- a perfect storm like there's so many factors that had to come together for something like this to happen. Like one these these fine gentlemen like stepping in to buy the place, two just giving us carte blanche to do what the hell we wanted to kind of get it back off the ground you know three like three that the political situation that people were like looking for like something positive to happen because it has been beaten down for so long like they're you saving know, the, live music yeah. in Sydney they're yeah, doing no, it like it just kind of all no mate off. we're doing it yeah <laughs> we're doing it. we are but it, that was it and like then the media fucking get on board because you know it's all they've been I don't know. I know it's not true, but the, this that air, like the feeling in the air that all you've been writing about is kind of negative stuff. Mm. So it's just, just kind of ticked all the boxes. So we're just right place, right time. Very lucky people. But I'm very. And then the Rule Brothers here. on top of that, you know, who yeah. used to book the Annandale, huge part of it, you know, filling the void where we don't know how to run that side of the venue. Two fucking uber professionals who kind of got stung back in the day when their venue closed, and um, you know, now they're enough, it's stuck Oscar with Hotels it. bought here. And the Annandale. So, like, the two famous live music venues were bought. I don't know if you know on the way to the airport, there's the... What's that massive hotel called in the corner? When you uh, come off I of the, the Princess Highway, there's, a like, huge a fucking big... Is it the Southern Cross Hotel or something? Something like that. It's, like, a... You know the one you guys opposite... The, pub, yeah. the pub Pokey guys. fucking dungeon. The opposite, way, the they, opposite they West Connects. That. And they had... They, so, they, they bought the Annandale and bought here. They still have the Annandale, but punted this on a while back, but... Mm. And the first thing you've done for live music is you've locked in three nights a week, uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday, the U2 tribute show. (laughs) 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 Wu-Tang Wednesdays. (laughs) Absolutely. Elton Jack's Tuesdays. (laughs) 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 Fuck, I'd like to bring Whispering Jack Tuesdays back just have a guy on the fucking mullet. Just found a flannel singing fucking Fonzie right? covers. <laughs> so um, we'll be speaking more about the venue later in the episode. And uh, we've actually done a little tour, um, a tour video of the venue. If you can't make it to the venue for some reason, Jake's given you an uh, access all areas pass to see what's inside this pub in the daytime. So that'll be up on and our... And a good shot of my legs going upstairs. That'll be up on our page, facebook.com slash the Mitchin. But um, before we get started into this episode, uh, we have three bottles of incredibly expensive liqueur. <laughs> That our good friend Callan Boys has brought us. Mm. Um, Callan, tell us the story behind this. I, I get a lot of um, pretty awful press releases uh, in my inbox as a, a food and booze writer for the City Morning Herald in Fairfax. And I just picked this one onto you guys last week when I came along. So this is the uh, Wu-Tang Clan premium 
premium liqueur. <laughs> Taste a ruckus. I'll just read from Taste the press the release. Ruckus. Will I? I? I think that's important. I think the press release sells it much better than I will. <laughs> Straight from the streets comes a new party sensation. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure the reader signed off on this press release. Definitely not coming from a marketing boardroom somewhere. It's yeah, definitely straight they definitely, from the They streets. definitely brought Cappadonna back on board. Right <laughs> the new party sensation, the Wu-Tang Clan liqueur. The premium collection boasts four legendary flavours of cream, butterscotch, <laughs> and strawberry slash lime. My favourite Wu-Tang reference. All strawberry slash lime. <laughs> All set to drop in June. Notice we don't actually have cream here today, though. They didn't send me that when I asked them for a taste test sample. It's too popular. Um, yeah, too... Well, it's, I don't think it's on the shelves yet. I looked at the Dan Murphy's website yesterday. Um, <laughs> trying to get it past the FDA or whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll also point out that these are uh, fourteen ninety nine a bottle <laughs> for 20% alcohol. And well, like 700 will get mil? You, if you are 19, you are going to get ripped off this. Yeah, 700, 700 mil for 20%. 700 mil. What? 700 mil How much fucking. does a bottle have to be to be classified as premium liqueur these days? <laughs> <laughs> is ten bucks the cutoff? <laughs> well, I, I you thought to spell premium right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it, they, this would have to be one of the cheapest liqueurs in Dan Murphy's. So I went to uh, Dan Murphy's website last night and just did a search for all liqueurs and sorted by cheapest. Now that's a good way to spend a couple of hours. <laughs> going yeah, through, how many did you buy? Going through user reviews <laughs> of like Dan Murphy's cheap liqueur is that uh, if you got an hour, it's fucking great. <laughs> anyway, um, but the cheapest actually is Grunter's Wipeout Coconut Liqueur and Shaker. Gift pack. Grunt. <laughs> Grunt. Grunter's clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Grunter's like wipeout. It's a gift pack too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a liqueur and shaker for at seven hundred fifty ml liqueur for nine ninety nine, and that's twenty one percent alcohol. So when you want to show your dad, you really care. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking spare tenner for a Grunter's wipeout. Anyway, but this is uh the the Wu Tang. Back to that. Produced locally in Australia, the Wu Tang Clan's premium liquor. Has been handcrafted to ensure party girls taste buds Stop are freestyling, just like the whoop. <laughs> Stop it! Handcrafted in Australia. So what is this? Do they handcraft that color? They get a fucking bottle of fucking Betadine. <laughs> <laughs> Do they even know this exists? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm getting to that. Um, renowned music icon and the Wu Tang Clan member, Riza, led the creative development of the bottle label, which is emblazoned. On the iconic <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan logo yeah. How the did bottle. they come up with that? <laughs> <laughs> Just put the Wu-Tang logo on it Well done Rizzo, you've done it again <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Divas Beverages So they've made it Divas, I looked into them They're, they're a company out of Danny and all They look dodgy as all fuck um, <laughs> Divas Beverages General Manager Daniel Quart Daniel Quart K-W-O-R-T um, Was excited to launch the range in Australia Music lovers across the country Can now enjoy a taste of the world's most influential hip-hop group <laughs> I'm going to let that one slide That's amazing That is, that is I'm low hanging fruit yeah, I'm going to let it go That is a heavy peach liqueur um, the, the, the perfect mixer of addition to any drinks lineup We can't wait to see the response from Wu-Tang Clan To Wu-Tang Clan liqueur so, uh, so when is it going on the back bar, boys? <laughs> <laughs> Straight <laughs> after <laughs> this, mate. Anyway, yeah. Oh, pay so for this fucking joint. <laughs> Free booze on sale. With flavours to suit every taste profile, we're saying clean liqueur ain't nothing. Yeah. To mess with. <laughs> to mess with. <laughs> they didn't even write mess with. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mess spell with. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing's an N-O-T-H-I-N apostrophe. Oh, because I think technically it should be a U, though. But anyway. Classically, it should be nothing. Nothing to, to muck around with. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't say that. Um, should we um, have a taste? Yeah, what are we going to go with first? So important. we've gotten three flavours. Yeah. We have strawberry and lime. We have butterscotch. And then we just have pre- like just the original. I think we should the OG. Original flavour. Right? Liqueur flavour. Doesn't have a flavour. The, the, the OG. Well, in this case, so the, the press yeah. release says, is a classic drink made with the latest distilling techniques. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the information I have on this. Like, so and, I, and I googled the shit out of it and There's nothing So this is distillate and sugar I yeah. think from what I can tell It's Sauvignon Dist- Blanc grapes <laughs> Distilled <laughs> in a gravel pit Yeah <laughs> Anyway Ideal mixer to bring the ruckus To almost any cocktail And is perfect for jelly shots Wow Oh wow oh, Jesus. Have you got any jelly on hand? Pull it up <laughs> Unfortunately no Pull it up Jakey Takes on the, on the thing He's gonna um, eat. Are you guys ready to taste the ruckus? <laughs> <laughs> smells like watered down vodka it's also 11 a.m. for those. <laughs> <laughs> We've oh, got a spittoon. We've got a spittoon. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mitch, by the way, 
don't be sitting around this table and be like worried that oh we're gonna have our sensibilities rocked to the core by an 11 a.m. beverage. Oh, it does not smell good. Okay, um, we're just gonna go down. Everyone, one, two, three, to Wu Tang. Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> Mitch was the first to spit. I, I swallowed. I drank it to get the full experience. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, this, it's uh, just like a really horrid um, yeah. distillate. Yeah, with a with, like, a, with, with a, a little hint of vanilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like slight bubblegum, bubblegummy kind of fucking. Notes. It's really. That's terrible. completely what it is. If like this if this liqueur was a Wu Tang member, which would it be? <laughs> <laughs> Cappuccino. That would be you got. <laughs> you got. Is a you got. Sure. Um, yeah, that's rotten. Which is like, I don't know how. Isn't, you, isn't could like you, you got son a Wu Tang member now officially? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, him. It's probably in Solomon or something. Yeah. I, I can see where they're coming from. Uh, perfect for jelly shots. If you wanted to just use that as a base, well, it just tastes like alcohol. Yeah, so if your son is like, oh, I can taste the alcohol. If you had that, you know, if you had like a double of that in like a vodka, like with tonic yeah. water, you could drink it. That and tonic. There you go, kids. That's my. And that's that's twenty-two. Tonic, 22%. Wait, tonic with lemon. There we go. There go we easy go. on the passiona, kids. <laughs> Jakey says tonic. Tonic. With some passiona. Ah, sorry. With like Kirk's pasito. Yeah, like, pasito. Could be, uh, that could be. You wouldn't want to ruin. You wouldn't want to ruin the fine, the fine quality of pasito. With that, though. Uh, so we're gonna move on to the butterscotch now. I think it's important for the strawberry lime. The butterscotch, which I think. Hold on, hold on. What are you doing? You're taking your mic off. <laughs> <laughs> in the excitement. In the excitement, yeah. So we're going to move on the butterscotch now, which I think um, before we get to the strawberry and lime, because the butterscotch, I think, was leaking when they sent me the box anyway, because it's all I've smelt in my car for the last couple of days. <laughs> I thought that was your aftershave. <laughs> I can't see anyone from Wu-Tang admitting to drinking butterscotch. Liquor. Yeah. <laughs> There's something, it's way too British. Oh, wow. This is, uh, smells very, I, reckon very th- I actually reckon this is going to be the best one. Down it goes. Oh, mate, but you, give that a, you give that a little swirl and seriously, that butterscotch woof leaves and you are left with a very stripped out... Like the first one. <laughs> yeah, like, it, sm- it smells like fucking strawberries, actually. Strawberry jelly. Like aeroplane jelly, that's fucking oh, weird. Oh, it does, it does. It's, 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 yeah, a, you it's hit, jelly you hit, crystals. You get that, for, yeah, you, get the, you hit the fucking butterscotch off it with a little bit of air and it... It shows its true colours, <laughs> which is just obviously. Yeah, di- di- this is this quickly, without it? this colour. <laughs> They're all the same. For something so sugary, there's like yeah. no viscosity. Like it's just super watery. Yeah, I don't know how you oh. managed to achieve that. Mm. It is very sweet, but also, I was like, it tastes way more alcoholic than just twenty percent as well. <laughs> Can you do this one with us where we do this and we can get drunk? Because I can't fucking drink this. (laughs) 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 I'm I'm notoriously known for fucking drinking basically anything that's put in front of me. If we found my line. (laughs) Mike Benny, I reckon we'll have a fucking case of these anyway. (laughs) You can tell him just getting so excited You would have the worst headache after these. Oh, mate. The sugar come down would be the fucking horrendous. Down, yeah. And you're probably, like, most kids are probably going to be mixing this with sugar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do I think in this case, that it might actually Coke. be better. Butterscotch yeah. and Coke. Butterscotch yeah. and Coke. And, like, it'd yeah. be kind of better for you than drinking it straight. So the final one off the bat is... Uh, strawberry slash lime. Strawberry slash lime. Oh, wait, wait. First of all, which, um, which Wu-Tang member was butterscotch? <laughs> Ghostface killer. <laughs> Inspector <No> Deck. <laughs> None of the heavy hitters get get. Maybe this this could be one of them. Oh god, this smells <laughs> fucked. <laughs> it smells so fucked. It's and it's like oh. it is a bloody red as well. Like, yeah, it's it, no, it's, this, it's this, this red does not exist in it's nature. Redder than, <laughs> redder than grenadine. Oh, oh my god. Oh fuck, that was so bad. Oh my mm. god, that's really terrible. It's so medicinal. It's, it's beyond medicinal. It gets worse like, the longer kids, you, kids the longer you have. The longer oh. it gets worse. <laughs> it doesn't taste that's like strawberry or death. lime. No. Like oh. the butterscotch tasted more like strawberry. Yeah, yeah, totally. It tastes a bit like strawberry jelly. Like if you put it in your mouth and swish it around. Yeah, yeah, a bit. yeah. It tastes like like jelly. shitty aer- like aeroplane jelly. Well, shitty aeroplane like con- jelly. Yeah, the concentrate please. stuff. You know oh. the yeah, stuff yeah, you got to melt down. Oh well. That was, according to the press release, bursting with ripe berry flavour and lime juice. It's the drink to set fire to the night. 
fire. Wild for the night. The thing is about this, you couldn't even set fire to it because it's too fucking shit at 20%. <laughs> at least give it to it at 40, so I can, at 55 or something, and fucking set it on fire. It's, that's minging. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, well, that's, that's that. Um, there Thanks you go, for that, kids. boys. Fourteen ninety nine a bottle. I'm sure this is exactly <laughs> what they had in mind when they sent it to you as well. <laughs> where, where, where is this being stocked at, though? Um, it is Damn being Murphy's. stocked at. Uh, let's, tell, let's, tell, let's tell the Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. The Mitchell Liquor is really available available online at Dan Murphy's or independent liquor retailers at fourteen ninety nine per bottle. Um, uh, but you know If you go into Dan Murphy's I do remember <laughs> Grunter's Wipeout Coconut Liqueur Shaker and Gift Pack For only nine ninety nine <laughs> For the same ABV Same bank for your buck uh, The mission Grunters. is now brought to you By Grunter's <laughs> <laughs> it's, always uh, been, it's always been Brought to you by Munters <laughs> <laughs> So You guys um, You know you've got, you've got a few Pinball machines With rock bands Emblazoned on them Have you ever had a uh, An alcohol That was uh, I mean I know Young Young, uh, young Henry's have done some um, collabs with. Um, I've had the ACDC wine. Oh yeah, how's that? Compared Terrible. To oh, really? oh, compared to this, better. Yeah, yeah, but it was fucking horrid. I mean, to be honest, it, it, you know, you could have picked up any clean skin from Southeast Australia, put it next to it, and you just they're just paying ten dollars. You're paying ten dollars to have, you know, Malcolm wine. Young yeah. Yeah. on the thing. So, like, it wasn't that bad. Um, not. That hasn't plunged the depths like this. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing we had was uh, with no band names emblazoned on it. It's like Maynard Keenan's wines with like a cotta. Yeah, his own, yeah. his own like wines by himself, but the one with Taras was the by far and away the best. Definitely, yeah. Have you seen there's a, a, an image circulating? Um, Maynard Keenan, whatever the fuck his name was it? What is his name? Maynard Keenan, yeah, from, from, from Tool, Tool leading to a Tool and yeah. a perfect circle. Um, there's an image circulating of him this week where he found out that people keep asking if his wine is vegan, and he found out that it is. So he put he now puts bacon in his wine. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop! What a cunt! That's amazing. His wine isn't vegan anymore. Yeah. Yeah, others I love that though. It's like he's always known as like a little bit of a recluse, and that kind of move is just such a dick move. He could just fucking find it with some fish, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like he could just do, he could just put a wine making technique in there. I don't remember the last time I went to fucking Burgundy, and like, and then we stir with the bacon. Like, fuck off. Maybe Morris he slept with his wife or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Dan Aykroyd Crystal Skull vodka nonsense as well, like, which is a great. That bottle. That's his, yeah. Is that Dan Aykroyd, is it? Dan Aykroyd owns yeah. it. Yeah, oh, he's, he yeah, comes out skull, once yeah. a year and gets his selfies with the bottle and pisses yeah. off again. Yeah, that's fine, but not probably 90 bucks fine. Have you got Ciroc, Ciroc on the back bar? No. Got the Puff Daddy. Yeah, that's Puff Daddy. Puff Daddy. Oh, there's... Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't. Oh, we, don't. Yeah. Oh, we do? Yeah, it might be that. Oh, yeah, you got Ciroc. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. In the building. Mm. Uh, so, guys, let's talk about Pete Wells. Sure. Um, the uh, are we talking about Noma? Are we talking about Pete Noma? Oh, we, can, we can talk about two. Talk there, about there, there's been two that have kind of. I haven't uh, heard about the second around. one. What's, what's, the, what's the, uh, second one? the second one? Was Pete Wells came to Sydney at the oh. time of Fifty Best mm-hmm. and ate at not many places, um, yeah. and then wrote an article about it. So he went to Esther, Fred's, Automata, and Momofuku and Fido. Yeah. And wrote about it and said. And wrote about it and sorry, said. Sorry, catching me up on this. Yeah, yeah. And said, uh, you are the, the, food, the food in Sydney is world class, etc., etc. But surprisingly, there's no Asian flavors being used. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, also, I love that he went to two restaurants that were staffed by, like, the head chefs are exceptionally not Australian. Yeah. yeah, In Fred's and Mamafuku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, World's 50 Best for Tourism Australia just bought him over here and just put him on a, you know, two-day for meal. Bang, bang, bang. He probably only spent, like, two hours at each restaurant, you know. Yeah, I actually, I went to Esther just after Pete Wells had left. And then I was at... Automata, I think, when Pete Wells was there, and then I sat next to Pete Wells at Fred's. <laughs> <laughs> so you, where's and your article? <laughs> so no, where did you put the angle braces on yeah. it? <laughs> no, um, I just really randomly happened that I was in each spot, and I don't. I think he knew that I was industry. And I'm pretty sure he was like, why is this guy never at work? <laughs> <laughs> Not the only one. Money. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the guys at Fred's had no idea. He was actually eating with a, an Australian actor, I think from Blue Healers. 
Yeah, good. And um, <laughs> classic. No, no, <laughs> oh, sorry, that's some taste. All, though. Yeah. So all of all, John Hughes. The, what was yeah, I, no, no, I can't remember his Lisa name. Lisa McKeon. But <laughs> the floor staff knew who the the Australian guy was, but didn't know who Pete Wells was. So I told, I actually said, went and said to the restaurant manager of Fred's that, yeah, that's Pete Wells, the New York Times critic. Ne- on the table next to me I was like ah oh, fuck thank, thanks, for, thanks for the update and then throughout the course of the night once they knew all the sort of Maryvale bigwigs yep. sort of <laughs> filtered through <laughs> just to make sure everything was alright and you yeah, know like, so yeah it was pretty, they got a, pretty they funny they got something to protect oh, I would do exactly the same if I found yeah. out the fucking Mate, whenever Callan Boys comes down to Mary's, I make like, a beeline. Where are they? Where are they? <laughs> I make a, a beeline out the fucking door. I love the idea of Mitch sitting next to Pete Wells at all these restaurants, just always making comments like, oh, where are the Asian flavors? <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a fucking thing, though, like to, 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 to eat at some of the most obviously um, uh, European yeah. influenced. Um, and then obviously Aside with, from with the exception yeah with yeah. the exception of Paul but so he is like it's widely known where his where his heritage is and that he's cooking food from his from his you know his, from his heritage you know so like to choose those restaurants is either like and then comment on that is insane mm-hmm. it's kind of like going to McDonald's and going why the fuck is in their pizza it was a very narrow view of Sydney but he was he was positive it was very positive a lot of people said it was very positive I think it's a good thing a lot of people sent it to us uh, to our Facebook page facebook.com slash the Mitchin and said um, congrats to all those restaurants just just wondering if you had read this this is is from Billy he said I'm a long time listener of the show and when I came across this article it just came across as uh, a little snarky sort of like a backhanded compliment the Mm. way I read it another another article in Sydney's art scene to me felt a little patronising like from on high looking down I'm yeah. fine with criticism. I mean, I know Sydney has a lot to get, live up to, and our nightlife has gone to shit over the years. Look, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah, so I was in New York City in fucking November, and restaurants pound shit. for pound. Our fucking restaurants are killer. Yeah. You know, it's not saying New York City restaurants are shit or have gone to shit. They're some of the most world class venues in the place. But you don't go and. Oh, there was a time when I went to New York City and was just experiencing things I'd never experienced mm. in Sydney dining before. And now that's not the case. Yeah, so, I come, know, I come back and go. Uh, Sydney has this, and maybe a little bit better. Totally, totally. And you know them, so you get better yeah. fucking hookups. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. To be like devil's advocate, would you be like sheltered in like the restaurants you get told to eat at? Like now that Phil Woods like moving, moving down south. Like what? What are the? What are like? What are like the cool restaurants? Like are using Asian flavors. It's very much gone on a European slant in the last little while. I mean, like, like as an as an obvious thing, like, is that not a? Is that not a? I mean, what what, what other ones would you say that? Yeah. We, if someone comes to town, you like go and eat there, and it's like there's a massive Asian influence on it. Oh, Mr. Wong, thanks. Acme. Where? Burn Cafe. Like, I mean, no, yeah. I don't think. I think well, I, I'm picking up what Kenny's saying. Like, it's not so much a comment on the fact that restaurants aren't doing it, but to pick. You but know, even like we're, we're, we're eight telling of the best, people to eat, yeah, but, the best in but to be honest, Automata and Esther are full of Asian influence That's mm-hmm. 100%. as well. And if mm. you're not picking yeah. up on that, yeah, it might be a, a, yeah. Might yeah. Be a little bit more about you than them. Yeah, yeah. you know. So, I don't, and that sort of plays into the other article that comment about it, saying from it's commenting from up high, looking down kind of thing from Pete's pedestal. Yeah, and that sort of that Noma article that he wrote too. I found that really. Like it was a while ago now, but I found that really sort of patronizing and closed minded. So Especially India. from someone that can fucking go and eat wherever he wants to in the world and probably skip all the bullshit of making it happen as well. Yep. The article the, the article Mitch is talking about came out in May. Pete Wells put out an article saying that he refuses to go and eat at um, Noma Mexico because yeah, not everybody that. can, so why should he? I think that, that but that's he his fucking his job yeah. to go and eat and tell everybody about think, it in case in case they couldn't get there that's the whole point of him existing yeah, yeah. that's that's true but there's also like the other, another tone to that which I definitely picked up on and I kind of resonate with and that's the kind of you know the happy snapper world set, well you know jet set uh, class going to you know an exceptionally poverty stricken part of a very poor country yeah. taking photos of local women hand making the tortillas because I bet you the Noma kids can't fucking make them that good no, and getting same. photos with them and exploiting that and then everyone shipping out and going away and leaving no real trace of them 
you know, ongoing an ongoing kind of commitment to that that area. And I like that level of voyeurism. I think has kind of reached peak at Noma, Mexico. Like I was fucking rocked to the core by their kind of whole approach to it, and the way they've done it, and you know, the kind of seemingly lack of commitment to the area previous and post. You know, well, I I kind of argue that because Renee is still in Mexico, and then, like the pop up finished almost a month ago now and they're still there traveling around Mexico and doing things in Mexico and they they did do a lot of research and build relationships with the Utican women and they traveled all around the Utican into the villages and learning and you know like the same as they did here going into Aboriginal communities and stuff when they came to Australia but so those those but those kind of that 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 level of kind of I- educating yourself because you can doesn't go doesn't go far enough I don't think because if you you come from a level of privilege and you need to actually leave a mark that is positive for the people, not for yourself. Yeah, so if you walk yeah, away yeah. taking a whole bunch of amazing culinary experience with you from these people who are generously giving their time and energy to this person they've never met or cared about or ever heard mm. of before, and you're the one who want, you're taking and you're taking and taking, and then you're only giving the gifts that you think you know how to give, you know, like a little bit of culinary training on, you know, techniques that they don't give a shit about because they don't have the ingredients to cook them with you know like they you know it seems to me like a very very whilst it might be well-meaning it seems to me quite a naive approach especially for someone who's you know they've kind of done this before and it feels almost like hey watch me go around the world yeah and and outcook the fucking locals and i'm like (laughs) well you know good luck in fucking japan and in australia i ate the meal and he fucking certainly didn't do it here either no i i agree like the Sydney Noma wasn't amazing. The Mexican Noma was fucking unbelievable. But why why do we look at it like that from that frame of view in Mexico when we didn't look at it like that here? You know, like I think there was people. I think there was people who like, kind of did raise that kind yeah. of spectre you know, about his yeah. visits to and the, then, like to the indigenous communities. Yeah. In, in all honesty, and I, you know, like I'm fucking just talk, I'm I'm not going to fucking drop any names in the shit, but it was definitely people talking about that yeah. and, 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 and the indigenous leaders talking about the kind of indifference that was shown um, on, in the community and, and definitely you know, but the raving that happened over social media. Mm-hmm. That's on like the tourism companies that have Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavour That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. That brought the, you know, that, that paved them to come yeah. out here, not... not putting something together something more significant for them to, to, to you know tri- contribute to while they were here I think but yeah it, look I'm not trying to beat up but I'm just yeah. I was like yeah. I, do, I kind of I, I had a, there was a very much a part of me that resonated with that Pete Wells article I totally agree <laughs> with you you know like sometimes you should just shut the fuck up and just do your job and your job is to go review restaurants and if you've got a problem with that then you should deal with mm-hmm. what you do for a living I get that argument but also he raised some pretty good points. Like mm. um, I saw it as him it putting the boot into Noma because he knew he would get readers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, isn't the idea as well, like when they were here, that hopefully it brings more attention to this part of the world or that part of the world and people go and explore 
the culture and generate more money in tourism and I la 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 but, la. but it, you know, surely if that was, like he would, n- they would not turn up, and no juggernaut would turn up unless it was going to be at least as beneficial for oh, them no, as it was for the local not. community. So, you know, like they, that, they that definitely didn't of, come of, out as the restaurateur, yeah. as the kind of, um, as the kind of advocate uh, for, for 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 social change. Like you got to be on fucking. You got to be. You got to have everything out in the open, and then it's got to be they, really. They clear. definitely wouldn't be there or here or Japan if they weren't making money. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But like you know, just on that, you know, supporting the community in, in some way. Like Mitch was there for one meal. Yeah. For Noma, but then you you ate I, like a hundred tacos. You and Hongi ate hundred tacos, and then we and did an episode it about good. it, and yeah. you spent twenty minutes talking about Noma, and then a full hour talking about all Everywhere the tacos else. you ate yeah. elsewhere. You know, and I think, I think a lot of people. Yeah have you know taken down places to, to go visit when they do go there because you know yeah. Australians do visit Mexico yeah, yeah totally, but, I mean, what we're, so what we're talking about is a boost in tourism which should no doubt be good for the local community but you know what type of tourism is it is it is this you know I was looking at it where, where, where else was it in Mexico again like the little in Tulum in Tulum or like the Seminyak of fucking Mexico yeah now, basically yeah. you know and we've seen what happened to Seminyak and kind of what can we really kind of sit here and argue that Australian influence and Australian culture in Bali has been a positive no, one no, you know and I kind of you know yeah. these things have to be tempered with a little bit of like I understand the positive arguments but there has to be a fucking full, full thorough investigation of your own of what happens after it you know and that mm. influence you know, you know we want to show people about the native, you know, native culture, and yeah, it's fine. But what happens when you're gone, and when you're not there anymore to be a fucking protector of that? If that's the place that you want to put yourself, you know, I'd, yeah. I don't know, man. I think I think everyone raises needs, a lot of questions. Yeah, I me. think everyone needs to be fully aware that they wouldn't be there if they weren't making a profit out of being there. Totally. Yeah. And they wouldn't be there if there wasn't someone behind it, backing it. And making it happen as well. And making even more money. Yeah. I asked Red Zeppi at the time of Australia, I said, do you think about your legacy when you leave and what's going to happen? And he says, no, I don't really care. Yeah. It's not about a legacy. It's nothing about that. I just want to create really delicious food and surprise my customers. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, and, 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 and maybe that's just true. That, he just wants to... Valid? You know, especially under the guise of... If, if, for me, if that's the case, then fucking he's double damned, especially in Mexico. And he can go fuck himself because that's full on. But I just mm. want to surprise my customers, the wealthy jet set, by coming into this community and fucking taking all the good things from them and for the, for the, for the, for the value of my customers, the people paying the money. You know, that, that to me is even more of a... It's a, it's, it's a fucking... It's a crisis. I, th- I think that because he might have said that to you, yeah. but that's not the image that's put out there, right? He said it to me on the record in yeah. an interview, um, but no, it's definitely not the it's not not, not the you know, image the being put out there from marketing. And they put a lot of stuff back in. They did a lot of stuff with um, Aboriginal communities here. Um, well, and I don't know what the legacy of that is. Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's yeah. not sustainable. If you're coming out here and you're doing it's one not. thing with one community once, no one gets yeah. anything out of that. That's the yeah. one that runs a charity that that you know when we when we, when we started out, we do work in <coughs> communities and jails and um, the, the the kind of the, the biggest criticism of, of previous um, organisations that tried to do similar music-based work with with young people in in out out, out of out of the uh, out of reach communities was that they would only go there once, get what they wanted, and then never yeah. come back. Mm. And so we made sure we got the funding to go there for you know three years. Yeah, before you went anywhere for the, the first impression time. I got from Australia from Mexico is that he's just got a mad hong for. New ingredients and Matt discovering, Hong? yeah, hard on. All right, damn, damn, and and that, and that that underlined everything else. Yeah, but, um, but I mean, yeah. if, look, if, if Wells, if Pete Wells is aware of that side of Rezepi, I think he would have written a much more powerful article if he did go, go. Yeah, there yeah, and yeah. Then say like, while the food was impressive, I can't not mention this because I haven't seen yeah, any, yeah, any yeah. critics talking about that side of thing and instead you just get this article that you're like what's the uh, what's the agenda here like you yeah it's almost like critics? it's almost like Renee didn't invite him right well why, why aren't critics writing about that because no, like, first and foremost I don't know any the critics. majority of critics are <laughs> fucking journalists and it's yeah. their fucking job to be inquisitive and they're not in the job so you, I mean you've got to answer that question yeah so, so I'd say like I'd say almost 95% of critics who went to that would have been paid for. Mm. Um, put your accommodation up for a couple of nights in Tulum. Um, uh, pay for your flights. Um, if you're big enough, you can probably demand business for that. 
Um, yeah, and so if you turn around and write a review which really looks at all that shit, then um, the next time the Noma pops up in fucking Greenland, you're not being invited to that one, mate. Mm. Uh, and and they're, they're worried about that. That's that's the way the travel journalism works these days. It's a lot of um, free trips and free for meals and, and a lot of international food journalism is pretty similar to that also. Um, yeah, that's that's what might have happened there. I think there'll be articles written about it uh, in the coming months, um, looking back now um, after it finishes. And But I don't think any journalist who's been paid to go over there is going to come out with a scathing thing. Uh, and Pete Wells, the only thing I'd say with Pete's thing um, and the commentary I read, which I'd agree with, like he kind of had it both ways by saying, mm. I'm not going to review Noma. But I'm going to write about it. I'm going to write about yeah, me not reviewing it. Yeah. And all the commentary that I wanted to say that would have done in my review, I'm going to do it like this. And... Yeah, so I think yeah, you can't mm. have it two ways, mate. But I, 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 I agree with uh, Jake that a lot of Pete's points were fucking pretty bang on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. It's pretty apparent. Like, I was there. I got my trip was covered as well, not by Noma, but my trip was covered. Business? No, not business. We yeah. had economy, <laughs> we got a premium economy. We had a we had a budget to work within, and then you know, so I wouldn't have gone because I couldn't afford to go otherwise. But it was an amazing experience and not just Noma, but Tulum and all the local side of it was phenomenal as well. But it's very apparent how poor the township of Tulum is and how much money is around that on the coast. Like it's just big resort after big resort after big resort after big resort. So it's it's already being sort of taken advantage of. Yeah. And not that that excuses it. And I don't think any time chefs are out there being social worries and saying food's going to change the world and this big sort of circle jerk that happens at the top of the game, like I don't agree with that anyway, but the meal itself was fucking unbelievable. And the experience of being in Tulum with so many other chefs from around the world who made the trip to just go and hang out and eat and eat all the local food too was was really amazing so I can't speak to the before and after but getting to go there was really special and getting to see the bit of the culture and all that kind of thing was really amazing as well so yeah to to take it back to the other article about Sydney um, in which he mostly focused on those five restaurants that we spoke about but he also had like you know a little paragraph of other things he said he did when he was in Sydney he mentions going to Cabramatta and finally having a Vietnamese food that's what was made interesting because they used herbs besides mint what it's like where, where the fuck what the well, fuck Vietnamese are you eating Amer- American curry? American bro yeah, right. American yeah um, that that also shows like Asian food in western countries and the northern hemisphere is just terrible and that shows like how fucking good we have it here and how spoiled we are yeah I agree with that it's very very you know, coming from the UK it's very different yeah it's like it's like I came here my, my wife had always told me like oh it's way different way better when you come down to Australia and it to me it's, like takes you a while to get used to it because you're yeah. completely on a different page you're like really this is what like this is, this it, is right? what I'm supposed to first time <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ken- Kenny used to order yeah. curries and get chips and curry sauce oh, <laughs> no, Chinese Chinese, Chinese but chips time. and curry sauce <laughs> <laughs> oh, just <laughs> glowing nitro green <laughs> <laughs> I love it but uh, like we always talk about when, whenever someone does something wrong in our eyes in terms of you know uh, representing Sydney's dining scene on an na- on international level we always call them out for not doing it the way that we would but what yeah. what, what do we want out of an article like that yeah I think you're right like surely the expo- like, I really, Mary's I really, sure. <laughs> really positive exposure for the city is like yeah. you know and, like, and praising the chefs for doing fucking great work like it's like that's the that's the cusp of it. I suppose like miss the 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 miss point on the Asian food's a bit of a fucking I, yeah. knock to the it's, chin. I think but. it's always hard because whenever those things happen, it's always a PR company behind it or tourism. Yeah. Whoever New yeah. South Wales or Australia or whatever, but it's the PR side of that organizing that and they don't have that in-depth knowledge of what makes the city what it should be and I'm not like those are five pretty good restaurants to go to yeah, but they're not but if you it do, doesn't if you really to, if you come to Sydney and you don't go taking the GCs after one of those meals, yeah exactly you haven't yeah. fucking seen food in Sydney yeah. if you, you don't know, go to Chinatown if you don't go to Cabra and do it properly if you don't you know like 
there's so much more to yep. what makes Sydney. Yeah, why Sydney. didn't you get a meal at Chat Tire Spice AM? Yeah, or, you know, have the LARP at fucking um, what's his name's place? You know, Thompson's new joint. Like, yeah. like you gotta you gotta kind of understand Sydney a little bit further. I think yeah. Yeah. it would have been two days. I reckon he was here tops. I reckon yeah. he would have done two. Like, well, how would you? Where would you guys have eaten? If you had two days in Sydney, why well, I, I wouldn't well, eat I'd, any of those. Re- I'd eat at Momofuku. Not not to bad down play any of those no, restaurants. I, I'd put automata. I'd put automata and Esta and Momo probably. But I'd also say, yeah, go to Chinatown and just fucking eat all the things. Go to GCs. Yeah. Go, go to, to Cabramatta, and then on the way back, go to Orvin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah in no way I'm talking shit on those restaurants. Like they're yeah. fucking the best that the Sydney has to offer. Yeah. I love them all dearly. But it's kind of... It's like, go to Frat Pads. If I wanted to see... Yeah, exactly. Go to 10 million, have a drink. Totally, yeah. You know, you've got to do more than one thing in a night. Yeah. Like, when we travel, we don't go to fucking one meal. You know, you hit four places yeah, in a exactly. night. You know what I mean? And that's how you get yeah. the fucking feel of the city in two days. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just go, oh, well, this PR... And you've got to talk to the industry too. Like, you can't just go, oh, this PR person told me I have to go to this per- thing because oh, she knows no. this PR person because yeah, they represent yeah, they, re- you know? they represent these restaurants the, the way I do it if I'm in it because I've wrote uh, many articles in other countries around the world and in cities alright so mate settle down oh, fuck off <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, but no just, just, I'm just saying no fuck off I'm just saying I know what Pete I know what Pete would have had to do and I'm, I could Did be wrong he could have been here for a week he could have been here for a week no, I don't think so. And so you go in there and you, you just fucking hit it. It's like, bang, bang, here's a dinner. Go to a bar. Like, where's the best bar in town? Like, yeah. so, and then ask the bartenders. Ask, ask yeah, the exactly. other fucking staff. Hey, like, yeah. where should, where I, should I, go? I go tonight if bang, I really bang. want to taste the rockets? <laughs> 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 okay, completely. Um, and he, look, he might, have, he might have done that as well. I don't know. But I, I just, I think for the amount of time he had here, which would have been fuck all, I think it was a pretty good, pretty good job. Um, and yeah, part of the Asian thing. Um, yeah, I think it was. It was, it was yeah, it was and well, anything that shines a bit of light overseas on what's happening here, and like you said, it was an overall positive thing that said mm-hmm. the cooking in Sydney is fantastic, you know. And if it brings more people down here, and then it boosts people going outside of key and you know the big names, yeah, then it's good for it's good for everyone. Yeah, hopefully. Absolutely, yeah. it is. I agree. Yeah. Very much deserve it. So we got some uh, emails. That uh, I think we could, uh, everyone would enjoy getting a little bit of input to. We've got some, uh, some industry-based ones and then some uh, just more general food email stuff. Do you want to go through them now? Sure. Yeah. You can send an email to us by uh, emailing us at uh, themitchinpodcast at gmail.com uh, as Jordan did so. Um, Is that actually, Jordan? No, sorry, not Jordan. He, for fear of ridicule, I call myself MJ. So ignore that question. <laughs> <laughs> hey, boys. <laughs> I really enjoy your podcast and I'm a 28-year-old chef from the gong and have been cooking for 14 years. I trained under the old guard, if you will. And as, a pre- as an apprentice, I was doing six, to t- six 12 to 14-hour days for 297 a week. And I didn't care. It was what you did. I never wanted to be a chef. I fell into it after school and I've loved the whole industry since. My question is, like Mitch and most of your guests, I run my kitchen without what I thought at the time was unnecessary yelling and abuse. However, nowadays, my apprentice and all my mates appreciates and young chefs don't have that grind, attitude or work ethic, and expect good pay, good hours, and a, and a fucking picture-perfect job. Is this a result of the... By the way, there's no full stops in this entire email. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, this a, is this a result of the new young guard attitude or just the younger generation's attitude in general? Was the yelling and no bullshit approach what made us the chefs we are? Or were we just raised in a different time? I would love to hear your opinions and potentially talk about this in depth more. I think it's a generational thing. Like we know mm. it all the fucking time. And anyone I speak to, and it's like, it's front of house. It can be in any job. Any, yeah. Well, something we any keep industry, hearing is, it's oh, all I need same. to work. Like, you got a 22-year-old kid being like, I need work-life balance. Yeah. And they're doing like 48 hours a week, yeah. going out, taking heaps of rack and heaps of pingers, and then kind of blaming their job for the fact that they're tired <laughs> and that they're not on 65 grand a year. Yeah. And like, and they can barely maintain the responsibility they can that barely they do the fucking job they have and it's yeah. like and we get all yeah we get all the time it's like it's and it's getting more and more apparent like more and more apparent and like there's no there's no repercussions now like no. if you're bad at your job as a chef or a front of house or a bartender or whatever there's no repercussions for that because everyone's so fucking short staffed yeah, yeah that they're not gonna fire you yeah and it's also impossible to fucking fire we had, anyone we had now a staff as well. member the other day literally they're like they got called up on the, they got called up on something by the, their chef and they just looked at him and said I don't care and we're literally in a position because staff being yeah. on holidays and with that short staff we could not like fire her the next day yeah. like for just literally like as coming out with it I don't care 
Then like, what what are you doing here? Being, you what here? are you here for? Because they want fucking money and it's easy. Yeah. And because we're like you said, you nailed it. Like we can't, I can't, we can't fire people. Not because we're um, we're afraid of the fucking repercussions from, you know, like um, government you know, or like the fair, fair work. work. On, yeah, it's because yeah. you can't fuck. You don't have yeah. someone to run food that night. And even if you do fire them, or you get a little like you have a go at them for fucking something up, and they quit the next day, there's no repercussions because they'll just walk into a job the very next day because yeah. everyone needs someone. Yeah. That's so true. there's no. And then they've go. They go like I've said it before. Uh, I've worked at this place, this place, this place, that place, this place. I only did three weeks in each. But I'm the sickest chef out now because I've got all these places on my resume. Yeah, that's it. You, know, you can't fucking peel in. an onion, but you want to earn 65, 70 grand a year. Can I ask a question? Though? It's one thing that Kenny and I are really aware of, and you know, um, of our influence on the industry. You know, as as people who are own, business owners, and um, you know, for yourself as well, Mitch. You know, like you own two, you own two businesses now, and it's kind of where the next generation of people who will mould the kind of the expectations of the employee of the employer on the employee and mm. vice versa. Um, and one thing that has stopped in kitchens is the screaming and the yelling and the physical abuse to a great degree. And that's been as a positive change, I believe, from young chefs like yourself um, going, I don't want to fucking deal with this, so I'm not going to have it in my kitchen. I didn't learn anything from it, so I'm not going to have it. With the pay thing, I think, that, and the work-life balance, I think, you know, for our... Well, it's not, I think. For our, our management staff, we're putting into place mechanisms to stop them from working over 50 hours a week in our venues mm-hmm. because we know that we get and it's like it's just science you get more out of them you get more out of them yeah. and mm. you get more effective work yeah. and just bleeding someone 65 hours a week to fucking save some labour costs is actually a really poor way to spend your money yeah but like do you with, with the that added kind of problem or that we have like where do you like I'm interested to know your kind of ideas on that I, us kind of we kind of at the top level are rewarding our staff by working for working like yeah. by getting them to work less but at the bottom level it's a struggle to get them to even fucking turn up for 40 hours and be focused yeah that's I always anytime someone asks me for advice I always say it's short term sacrifice for long term gain if you want to make it to a position that you guys are in you have to work your ass off and learn and earn respect etc etc and you can't do that by not fucking caring you know what I mean so it's not even that I want people to work their ass off for me I want them to work their ass off for themselves Mm -hmm. you know and I'm happy to give people work life balance I want people coming in to work happy but I want them to have responsibility for their actions and I want them to care about what they're doing because I want them to leave and be a better chef and move up and go on to bigger and better things because just like we're pushing on the Matt Morans and the Neil Perrys and the fucking Peter Gilmores and whoever it may be of the industry above us, the generations above us, who the fuck's going to come and push us out? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. We, we were probably too young when we started kicking, a, kicking up a shit about not getting the recognition and la 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 that we wanted and thought we deserved, which we probably didn't at the time. Mm. But that put everybody on notice and put the older generation to pick up their game too and not rest on their laurels but who's going to come up and do that to us yeah. and push the industry forward yeah. and keep the industry when growing and moving so what's going to fucking happen are we just you know is it all going to be lowest common denominator shit and no one's going to have any fucking skills or care about anything and that's not good for anybody yeah. or you know like there are few and there are a few young people out there working their ass off for themselves to be better to earn respect to build themselves a reputation like you can't paint the whole industry with a, a brush but yeah they're few and far between you one know? thing i've been thinking about a lot is you know obviously everyone's aware of the fucking incredible growth in sydney restaurants yeah. <laughs> over the last like 18 months and you know like maybe it's just the fact that that maybe there might be an element of like so all of those so venues have just one or two key people whereas there yeah. used to be such a concentration because we'd all work together yeah. because there was only so many great restaurants you think yeah. back to 2007 2008 how many great restaurants were there in mm. Sydney yeah. like in comparison yeah. to like where good chefs are cooking now there's fucking heaps more yeah. but that depth of being able to like a chef can get through service but can they fucking nurture and mentor that next generation yeah. can the front of house team like they get through every single night by the skin of their teeth, but they don't have a sommelier and a junior. 
you yeah. know, working underneath them, like training and then training their wine yeah. waiters underneath them. That's you know? definitely part of the problem as well. Definitely. Be like and you said, everyone Mervax, spreads so, so thin. So is fucking fault? Yeah. Lend, yeah. 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 Sucking all yeah. the staff out. It is. And that's, that's a <laughs> byproduct of the industry becoming so popular. Hate them. Which is, you know. <laughs> Take your fucking car parks and fuck off. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a hard thing because growth and knowledge of the industry is good in some ways but we're so fucking stretched and there's way too many fucking restaurants. I don't restaurants. there's been any major benefit to the industry No, there hasn't it. been. Like, if there anything, it's going to be a long-term fucking issue yeah. that's going to be played out for a little bit of short-term gain from some restaurateurs who've gone in, made a packet on a fucking deal. The, the big, guy, the big guys are going to keep making money and it's going to get harder and harder and harder we for the little guys. You're, yeah. you're, you're a medium guy right now. <laughs> the issue is approaching all those places, Circular Key, Bangarangaroo, Tram Sheds, whatever, yeah. and they're all, you know, great people you guys are mates with who have chosen to move there and that's that's good cash but then where do the let's say the acmes of the future come from exactly. or whatever the, yeah. the heart shards of the future the ones how that do, they are targeting to go down there where's the marriage the come from years. like if you, if you you know if it's just all these fucking yeah. cookie cutter things it's a drawing people off of the high street and and sucking that personality over the restaurants because you don't mm. get a chance to put your real stamp on it when like we got Sean Ryan Barangaroo and basically just within like 15 minutes we're like can we play music as loud as you want they're like oh yeah within reason and it's like well, what if I put, can we just have cakes here but what if people move them and they fucking spill it over there they're like oh well. and I'm like oh we're out we can't yeah. do it we can't do it and then I had a conversation within with the same guy a while reason. later <laughs> and yeah. explaining to him how you know people in the industry kind of fucking hate what they're doing yeah. and he couldn't believe it yeah. he's like I thought we were doing a great thing you he's know? a lovely Given man people, yeah he's a lovely man yeah and we, and we won't mention names like because he just literally, he was like, I thought we we're giving people opportunity, you know, like, like vibe, like adding vibrancy to the eating scene. I was like, no, no. but you're like, you're taking something you're and just it. diluting it like so yeah. hard that it's hard to fucking get, see the great ones or for us, mm. for us all to have great teams. And in it's a become restaurant. too easy to open a fucking restaurant as well mm. at the same time. It's like places that should never have fucking gotten backing and would never have lasted yeah. unless there was so much marketing and PR and spin that was put behind by these massive companies. Yeah. They would never have people walking in their doors because mm. the offering's not good enough. They're mm. not, they don't have enough personality. They're not saying anything at all other than just being another spot to sit your ass down and put your face into another bowl of fucking something. When are you yeah. opening a poke bowl place? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the segue. <laughs> Thanks so much to MJ. Construction. MJ yeah. for uh, that, that email. a fucking great question. I don't know if we actually answered his question. <laughs> it's, it's impossible to answer. Yeah. There's so many contributing factors. But he's right. But if there's anyone willing on who wants to come work in Sydney, we've got jobs for yeah. all of you. Fuck, <laughs> hey, you we got jobs. What's um when you were when you were uh, working your way up? What's the worst thing a higher up yelled at you? Mm, it's hard to pick them out. Anyone, yeah, I blocked, yeah, I blocked all that shit out. Yeah, I got bollocked all the time. Because I, I, I was a smart ass little shit, I got bollocked all the time. But it made me a better. Sh- it made me understand that that you're working for someone whose name is on the door and whose reputation and balls are on the line so to speak you know what I mean like it's their life and if you're in there fucking around you're fucking around with their livelihood and they might have a hundred thousand dollars in of their own money tied up somewhere and you're in there not giving a fuck and putting out an inferior product that customers then see that then means customers don't come back or they get a bad review and it makes the restaurant quiet and all that kind of shit like you have to realise that as someone's employee whether you're front of house or whatever it's just might just be a job for you but it's somebody else's life and it's different when you're working for fucking a big company but when you're working in a small business you fucking <laughs> you're not fired though you, yeah, you don't, don't go anywhere don't leave please so he's sorry, fired he's fired. Fired. he's five dollars <laughs> The um, <laughs> the worst thing ever been yelled at me while working was actually by someone high up at Mervac. <laughs> You'll de- never DJ in this town again. Yeah, I was I was DJing at the the Noma Sydney closing party at Harpoon <laughs> Harry, and because Mervac weren't that's their space, right? The, the, the Lendlease. Uh, it was Lendlease. Lendlease. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, apologies <laughs> to Mervac. <laughs> great people, but uh, the lady who works for Lendlease um, uh, was so fucking hammered. And um, <laughs> I was trying to play to everyone that night. So, like, the 
the chefs from America wanted to hear like 80s hair metal and all of the Nordic guys wanted to hear fucking like death metal and then um, so you would play to one group and the other group would be upset blah blah and this drunk woman comes up to me she's like no one's having a good time just play the stuff we want to hear <laughs> <laughs> um, put you're the voice know, on whenever she didn't know a song she'd like roll her eyes and she'd be like ah oh, oh you're terrible this is just no good <laughs> you'll never work in this city again <laughs> don't you know who I am blah, blah, blah. and I got her removed from the venue <laughs> <laughs> That's the greatest. <laughs> um, so we've got um, one more question here that I think will be a good one for um, all of us to contribute to. This one comes from Ben. Um, he says uh, that he <laughs> he started getting into podcasts this year and stumbled across your loose pod a couple months back. <laughs> Find it bloody hilarious, even if you don't like craft beer, haha. <laughs> so I own Backbone on the Gold Coast, an Asian influenced restaurant and bar. Yes, craft beer and minimal intervention wines. Um, reason to email is that my girlfriend and I are hitting up Sydney for an adventure this weekend actually um, just found out about the vanilla max thing that Mitch is cooking out. <laughs> so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna check that out I'm gonna check a few of the places like Pinbone Fred's Ms. G's maybe LP's but was wondering if we should be checking any others out and if you had any brekkie or brunch recommendations as well Room 10 uh, Adam Wolfie from formerly of Yellow is doing a couple soups at Room 10 this week uh-huh. before he takes over Brose for the next two months yep I uh, had the matzo ball soup yesterday it's fucking off the chain that's a definite uh, and Room 10's food in general and coffee is really great Neighbourhood Coffee you can see Sean Boon Cafe Boon Cafe for uh, I sometimes I hit Chat Thai for brunch as well mm-hmm. and that's about it that's from me uh, I'd come here I'd fucking get on the reshes finger your missus out the back <laughs> uh, I think you were Myers playing and um, and then have a come down uh, late lunch at uh, good luck pinbone I looks like that Wu-Tang record has kicked in definitely not what I have planned for this weekend looks <laughs> <laughs> like someone tasted the rock is <laughs> Yeah, I'll look, uh, if I was coming to Sydney, I would only, I'd, like, there's only one place I'd always could go if I didn't, was in town, I'd go to um, Fratelli Paradiso. Yeah. yeah. Because if you're into yeah. fucking good wine, then, Brekkie. you know, go down there, Brekkie. the food's fucking amazing. Yeah. Or 10 William Street if you fucking don't want to have a big meal. You know, like, I mean, mm. they're just such world-class joints. Or, um, yeah, pop in the bar at Momofuku as well if you have time. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking delicious. Yeah. yeah. One last email. I don't even think it's the question. I just uh, This one just came in and it's really funny. This one comes from Albie. Okay, Albie One Kenobi. <laughs> Hi, <Fair>. cunts. <laughs> Been hey, listening cunt. to the podcast for a few fucking years. Mm. I listen to it while I deliver food to restaurants. I was a chef for about 15 years. Kids and wife fucked that up, but can't be happier now. Hashtag Providor. <laughs> In Adelaide for a funeral, and my bro, dad, and I went to Africola for dinner. Holy fuck, what a great meal. Had the feed, me, me and wine pairing. Great food, interesting wine and drinks, great service. My brother was frothing, in brackets, he is from Tasmania. Not sure why. Um, my old man was off his face and loving it. Anyway, I wouldn't have known about Africola if it wasn't for you cunts and your podcast. Keep up the good work. Keep on being whinging cunts because I always check out the one-star reviews first. Yes. <laughs> Glad Mitch has learned how to hold a microphone. Drunk casts were good. Later, I'll be one Kenobi. <laughs> Well, a legend. That's great. That's yeah. Yeah. I think that you don't see Duncan's fucking face everywhere, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but everyone knew about Apricola. Makes me feel, <laughs> makes oh. me feel sick. Yeah. I love you, Duncan. I, I was saying when I was saying that, like, pretty much every guest on the mission was was at the Lansdowne that night. Fucking Duncan was here. Yeah. yeah. What was he even doing in Sydney? I he was in again. He was, he was, he was here Monday. last night too. And I was like, dude, yeah. you should just move here. He's like, yeah. Everyone keeps telling me that. Hey, Duncan, you can make in this fucking town, mate. I got invited to Murdoch Dunk. <laughs> That'd be awesome. No, I got invited to a dinner at a fucking Airbnb thing with Duncan and Marco Pierre White cooking. Just the two of them. Yeah. I was Sick. like, what's Don't, going on? Tango. 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 Okay. <laughs> He's like, open, a, open a restaurant in Sydney called Merva Cola. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. All right, is that it? That's it. I gotta go get go. tattooed. Thank you, you for having me. Uh, a wombat. A wombat. Yeah. <laughs> on your face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks so much to our guests today. Um, we got uh, Jakey and Kenny from the Lansdowne. Um, come through and uh, eat a pizza, have some pingers. Yes. 
Um, where do you go to get the pingins here? <laughs> very, hard <to> find. <laughs> very, hard, very hard to find pingins. Checking the back of the lounges. <laughs> we should do an episode soon just comparing what pingins used to be like <laughs> to what they're like today. Yeah. Man, apprentices these days, they don't know. <laughs> <what> they're <doing. laughs> um, and Callan, uh, you can find online. Um, At Callan Boys on Instagram. That's right. And, and Twitter as well. Sometimes I use that. It's a good, it's a good service. Rare. <laughs> um, and uh, writing for good oh, food. and writing for goodfood.com.au you finished and, all your reviews uh, for good the food guide? Tuesday lift out in Epicure and Sydney Herald. You finished all your yeah, reviews? no shush. I finished. I beat Callum this year, everybody. <laughs> I had to sneak it. off quite sleepishly from Mithy Rigby today to come and record this. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going? I was like, fucking nowhere. Like, Callum <laughs> boys ain't nothing to fuck. Off. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got in that box? Like nothing. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, you can find us online facebook.com slash the Mitchin podcast. Send us an email themitchin at gmail.com and uh, don't buy any Wu Tang related liqueurs this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Taste no, the Grunters. Okay, right. yeah, Grunters. <laughs> See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hold up. 